Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace. Um, I believe something. I believe that God doesn't open a door for somebody um, or for anybody just for the person. God is a transgenerational God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. And I believe that if he has done anything in my life, he can do it in your life. That's how I believe. That's what I believe. Now, if you don't believe it, I believe it for you. So if I see something in your life God has done for you, I believe it and I tap into it. So whether you believe it or not, that, that's how I function. So if I can do that and see results, I believe you can do that also and see results. I'm not going to go into testimonies or being specific about what has happened. But God told me something in the last few months and the acceleration and what's been happening. God told me that, a rising tide lifts every boat. When you see the tide rising on the shoreline, it's not selective of the boats it's going to lift. It's not going to say, hmm, that boat has all these 419ers. I'm not going to lift it. Oh, this boat has Christians. Oh, Muslims here. Let's lift this boat. No. A rising tide lifts every boat. And so God was saying that when he opens a door for one person, he's opening the door for everybody. When he sends a Joseph in, He's opened the door for a whole entire generation. And I came here prophetically because God has sent me to tell you that I'm just a messenger to tell you that he's opened the door which no one can shut. You know, when God says he is a door, it means that when he shows up, the door shows up. So you can be stuck in a place and there is no door. But the moment Jesus shows up in you, the door shows up. So there is no way you can be trapped in life. And I believe God has sent me down here to open a portal to stop some things in your life and to begin some things in your life. I don't believe, one thing I believe, and I, I ask my wife, one thing I believe is that your life has to be different. I tell my wife every day, and she's probably heard this like a thousand times. If the results in my life is the same with the unbeliever, then let's stop going to church. Let's just go and watch, okay, I can't, I can't say I'm a man you fan anymore. Let's just go and watch a man city. Think about it. If the result, if I, if I come in here, worship God, fast, pray, cast, bind, do all of these things, and the results in my life is the same with any other person, then why are you coming to church? There has to be a difference. And one thing I believe is that you should think differently and expect differently. Why am I saying this? I'm preparing your heart because I want you to understand that expectation is the mother of manifestation. If you expect something tonight, see, the supernatural doesn't have to be spectacular. When Jesus spoke, I didn't see any ushers holding anybody and they were falling under the anointing. He just spoke the words and things began to happen. And the greatest miracles come with words. So, um, yes, I'm small in stature. I'm, I'm Pastor, Pastor is like my senior brother. He's older than me by 10 years. And he's like, no, what are you saying that for? He's older than me. That whether he believes it or not, I claim it by faith. No, but what I'm saying is that we might just look young and all of that. But I, I'm, I'm telling you that I believe something. When God takes me and brings me to rooms I don't deserve, I don't think about myself. I think about people that should have been here. And I'm thinking about you guys. And I'm thinking about people around the world that know me and connect with me and I've seen. And I say, God, you're not opening these doors for me. You're opening the doors for everybody I'm going to be connected to. And so maybe you might not be able. But what I'm saying is that it doesn't make sense for you to want to be in the same room with people if you cannot contact the grace. A lot of people were, the woman with the issue of blood said, if I could just talk. So proximity is not connectivity. Because the disciples, everybody, they were on Jesus. But one woman said, if I can just touch. 
So it makes me understand that you can be in the same room and not have the same grace. And I would rather not be in the same room and celebrate and take pictures and selfies and post than not contact the grace of God in a man's life. So I came here to deposit something, and I'm not going to leave here till I deposit it. And I believe that standpoint would never remain the same. You are not just a church. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Amen. My assignment is from John chapter 2, verse 1. John chapter 2, verse 1. I can use any version, but my preference, well, we can use that. Um, we can use New King James Version. So John chapter 2, from verse 1 to 11. Is everybody okay? Okay. Um, we're going to read from verse 1 to 11. I know most of you know this story about Jesus turning water into wine, and there's something I want to extrapolate from that text, because this is the first miracle of Jesus. This is the first manifestation of the supernatural. Amen. So on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Hold on, hold on a second. Everybody say invited. invited. So Jesus... And his disciples. You need to understand that Jesus had not performed any miracle at this time, but he still had disciples. But Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Next verse. And when they ran out of wine, everybody say ran out of wine. When they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Then Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to, said to the servants. So she ignored Jesus and focused on the servants. Everybody used to say the word servants. She didn't say master. She didn't say boss. She said servants. Whatsoever he says to you, do it. Everybody say do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification for the Jews containing 20 to 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. They were water pots, but they didn't have water. And Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. Isn't it amazing how you can be designed for something? I, I didn't see this. It's just the, the Holy Spirit just dropped it in my spirit that you can be designed for something, but not full of what you're designed for. Yeah. They were called water pots, but they didn't have water. And this is how it is in the realm of the street where you are supposed to be prosperous. And you are supposed to be healed, but you're not full of healing. And you're not full of what you're supposed to be full of. The Bible says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Which means everything Christ is, is in you. But are you manifesting what is in you? You are a water pot, but are you full of water? And they fill them up to the brim. Verse 8. Then he said, draw out, draw some out now and take it. It's very important to note that they didn't just fill the, the water pots. Jesus said, fill it to the brim. Fill it till there's no more space for contamination. Fill it till there's no more space for impurities. Fill your life till there's no more room for doubt. Fill the water pot. And he said, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was now made wine and did not know where it came from. Listen to this. But the servants, listen, this is why it's good to serve. The masters never know the secrets. The masters didn't know how it happened. The servants knew how it happened. 
The secrets are not with the masters. The secrets are with the servants. The Bible says, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. And the master of the feast called the bridegroom. Verse 10. And he said to them, every, he called who? The bridegroom. Who did he call? He should have called the servant. But it's funny because I was reading this pastor and, and God was telling me he called the wrong person. The bridegroom didn't even know about the miracle. And isn't it amazing how God will do a miracle in your life and people are talking about the miracle in your life without knowing you have nothing to do about it. People will come and talk about how did you get that promotion? And you're like, I don't even know how he turned water into wine. They came to talk to the bridegroom that knew nothing about the miracle and said they were, th- they were talking to him like he was the one that turned the water into wine. And a lot of people here, and you have to come to a point where I've stopped believing God for miracles that make sense. You've got to believe God for miracles that you cannot explain. If you can explain your miracle, then it's not a miracle. I mean, because a miracle shouldn't be explained. How did it happen? I don't know. God did it. I was blind, now I see, walk on water. There was no three keys, three steps to walking on water. Number one, have faith. Number two, jump in. No, just walk on water. It's a miracle because I don't know how it happened. Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. For you have kept the good wine until now. I hear it in my spirit that you are getting into an expensive... Anytime I read this text, this is what comes into my mind. Hold that, hold that verse. You are, getting, you are entering an expensive season and God is going to foot the bill. You are not going to need your money to foot the bill. The couple would have gone out to buy. Stop buying when Jesus is around. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. You're going to get it when I leave. Most of you are trying to buy what you... Most of you are trying to buy wine when Jesus is there. Stop buying wine when Jesus is there. It's easy. They would have gone to buy wine. You are entering an expensive season and Jesus is going to foot the bill. Because he had foot the bill already. No, verse 11. Verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana and manifested his glory and his disciples believed him. So they were following him without even believing him. Father, we ask for the anointing that makes preaching and teaching easy. We ask that you move from center to circumference. I bind every spirit of heaviness, every spirit of fear, every spirit of confusion. I take authority over the powers of darkness, over principalities, over, over strongholds. And I break it right now in the name of Jesus. And I decree and declare that only Jesus will be glorified. Everything I've planned to say that you don't want me to say, take it out. Everything you want me to say that I've not planned to say, put it in. And at the end of the day, it's all about you and your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. On your way back, just... Look at your neighbor and tell them, new wine is here. New wine is here. Look at the other neighbor and tell them, you deserve something better. Most of you have been, most of you have been drinking inferior wine and God says you deserve something better. You deserve something better. You deserve a new wine. You deserve something better. You deserve something better. I believe in the gospel of grace. And I believe that different people approach grace from different perspectives. I was telling Uzo the other day, I was saying, the problem with all the grace preaching now is that a lot of people have 
The Bible says all that Jesus began to do and he began to teach. So he did first before he taught. So it's important to do grace before you begin to teach grace. And why am I saying this is because when you begin to study grace, grace is Jesus. That, I mean, that's the, that's the definition. So if we are going to see the miraculous, we have to understand Jesus. And there's no better way to understand Jesus than to see what he's done in the Bible. I believe in miracles. I believe in miracles so much. I believe in miracles. And I believe the miracles were a very important aspect of Jesus' life. Why do I believe in miracles? Because there has to be a proof. Why serve God if there is no proof? I mean, think about it. Why are you dedicated if there is no proof? So miracles is a very, and words, a very important aspect of Jesus' life. This is important because we're beginning to see Christians right now that do the talk but don't have the power. The Bible says the whole earth is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. Not people that can describe. Not people that can interpret. Not people that can explain and expound. No. But people that can manifest. And let me just divert a little bit here. Because the Bible doesn't say the whole earth is waiting for the manifestation of the signs of God. The whole earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Think about it. David was not a son. Elijah was not a son. But they had signs. You can have signs and not be a son, but you can never be a son and not have signs. So the whole earth is not just waiting for the manifestation of signs, as it were, but the manifestation of sons. And I had to throw that there because every time we read that scripture, we always think about manifestation and we forget the son's part, which is, which is okay. But you have to understand that what is manifesting is sonship, not signs. Because when you put down your rod, the king can call his magicians and they can put down their rods and it turns and serpent. So what differentiates you shouldn't necessarily be the signs, but the sonship. You can fake the gift, but you cannot fake the fruit. And you were the fruit of redemption. I'm not going to go into that. But think about this. The bottom line is that there has to be a manifestation of power. Everybody say power. power. Everybody say power. power. So today we have sermons on the power of God. But we have nothing to show for it. And I believe in my spirit. You, you know, Paul, Paul is a very interesting character. Paul, a lot of people, Paul says something in First Corinthians, I believe too. He says, when I came to you, I came to you <laughs> not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but with a demonstration of power. This is very important. Think about this. A lot of theologians all agree that Paul was a, was a great writer. He could write demons from a prison cell. He could write demons out of churches. He was right. He could write to thirds of the New Testament. But when he came to speaking, there are conversations that Paul wasn't a good preacher. Peter could preach 3,000 people in one day. Paul. Paul accepted. Acts 20. Paul was preaching and people were falling down and dying. <laughs> no, this happened in real. For real. What's his name? Is he Uti Cost or somebody? Yeah. Uti. Uti died. Uti fell from... But you know the funny thing, Pastor Phil? I would rather be in a boring church and a man has power to raise the dead than a man that is exciting and has no power. So think about it. So Paul, Paul didn't have all the, he didn't have all the words. He was probably very, very, 
You know, Paul means he was small. That's what, that's what the whole Paul, and I'm not going to exegete what his name means, but he was small in stature. And he was speaking and preaching, but he, he had enough power to raise people from the dead. The bottom line is that there has to be a manifestation in your life. Don't just talk the talk. There has to be a manifestation in your life. What, what would have happened if Jesus told us he can save us, or he's a savior, but he couldn't save us? What would have happened if Jesus says, I can provide for you, or I'm a great provider, and he doesn't know how to provide for us? What would happen if Jesus showed up at Lazarus' tomb and said, I'm the resurrection and the life? And they said, manifest. He says, no. Um, in fact, they told, he, they told him you will manifest. He said, no, no, no. We're doing it now. And most of you will say, oh, that's why I like you. That will manifest later, not now. No, Jesus said, I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. You're the, you're the light of the world. I want to see now. You're the great provider. I want to provide. I, I want it now. I don't know about you, but there are times where you need a now in your life. There's a difference between procrastination and patience. One is God is waiting for you. The other is God, you are waiting on God. And one is detrimental. It's okay for God to wait on you. It's okay for, 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 for God to be waiting on you. But when, or is it okay for, it's okay to, for you to be waiting on God. But when God is waiting on you, it's, it's a different ballgame altogether. That's procrastination. And so I want to see the power of God manifest now in my life. Because the power is here. And the power manifests in different ways. There has to be power. Most of you see the only difference between where you are and where the enemy thought you were supposed to be is the power of God. Because God saved you from that auto crash. God protected your life. He provided for you. These are demonstrations and expressions of God's power. Some of you are married to a miracle and you don't even know it. Some of you are working a miracle job and you don't even know it. Some of you are driving a miracle and you don't even know it. Some of you are wearing a miracle. Some of you ate a miracle this morning and you don't even know it. Because you've gotten so used to God that you don't, you never, you don't even know that what God is doing for you, it's a manifestation and it's a miracle. Never get so used to God that you, don't, you begin to use God. You are living a miracle and you don't even know it. So when you begin to look at this text, there's a lot you can extrapolate from this text that can help us because the law of first mention says the first controls the rest. So I can understand the purpose, the pattern, the principle, uh, the, 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 the premise of miracles and how it's supposed to work. And there's so much. I can preach in this for one year. There is so much in this one miracle that you don't even need other miracles. There is so much in this one miracle that you don't, if, if, if no miracle was ever recorded, that, that will be fine. Because every miracle is packed in this place. And, 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 and because of the time we have, I'm going to unpack three concepts from this verse, from this chapter. Three concepts. The first, I, be, I can shout, I can jump, but I believe in writing notes. The first concept is the concept of the invitation. Everybody said the invitation. So if you're writing those, write it down, the invitation. This is very important, and let me explain what I mean by the invitation. You need to understand that Jesus was invited to a party. Let that sink. Jesus was not invited to heal the sick. Jesus was not invited to cleanse the lepers. The first miracle of Jesus... Jesus was invited for a celebration, not a situation. Most of you only invite Jesus when you have a problem. 
When you have a pity party, then you begin to fast and pray and do all. No. The first miracle, Jesus was invited not because of his power, but because of his presence. They didn't want to see Jesus' power. They just invited him to come and chill and, and just fellowship. They invited to give him food, drink, just sit and relax. They didn't need anything from him. See how the supernatural starts. Most of us, when we need the miracle is when we are stranded. Say, Father, manifest. God say, where were you? Where? <laughs> the, the law of first mention is showing us something here. That they invited Jesus when they had a party. So my question to you is, when do you engage Jesus in your life? When you have a crisis? When you have a breakdown? That's the only time Jesus shows up. This is important because every time they extended an invitation to Jesus in the Bible to heal the sea, to, invitation generally, it was always there's a problem. Lazarus, Jairus, woman with the issue of blood. Every time, this was one of the only times Jesus was, just, in, just come and chill. Only time. Check the whole, check the Bible. Every time, they just invited hey, Jesus, um, somebody, has, somebody has died. And Jesus wouldn't say anything. He, he would do it because he's love, he's God. But it's possible. Do you understand that this couple did not even know that there was a problem? Could it be possible that you are trying to figure out a solution because Jesus is not part of your celebration? This couple did not need to figure out a solution to the problem. They did not even know there was a solution, a, a, a situation. They did not even know. And could it be possible you're spending your life trying to figure out this and that and do all of this because you've not invited Jesus to the party? And Jesus only comes in because Jesus is now your emergency contact. He's not your frequent caller. 911, Jesus, you better show up now or never. And he would show up because he's a loving father. But there is a higher level. When the battle comes, he says the battle is the Lord. When he wins the battle, the glory belongs to God. When you are celebrating, he wants to be part of it also. He doesn't just want to be part of the good days. He wants to be part of the good, the bad, every time. See, that's what it means to give your life to Christ. You have no life. So whether it's good, bad, it doesn't matter. Every, he is responsible for everything. So when you have the battle, he's responsible for it. When you have the victory, he's responsible for it. He gets the glory, he gets the battle. Whoever gets the battle, gets the glory. Everybody said the invitation. The disciples showed up, so they didn't show up because Jesus had performed the miracle. They showed up because of relationship, because they believed in him. And I always say this, if you only need God when you have a problem, then you don't really need God, you just need your needs met. If the only time you come to church, the only time Pastor Phil sees you is like, ah, where have you been? He said, no, you know, you know but now nah, I need this promotion. Now you come to church for the seed fit. No, you don't, you, don't, you don't need God. You just need your needs, man. And God doesn't want to be a means to the end because he's the beginning and the end. So when he's a means to the end, he comes halfway. He's your transportation to your destination. He doesn't want to be the means to the end because he's the beginning and the end. God is not a complement or supplement. He's a requirement. 
So where is Jesus in your itinerary? Is he in the party or do you just keep him on hold when you have a problem? This principle will change your life. Because a lot of people, what attracted Jesus was a celebration. And some people don't have no celebration in their life and they've not been able to attract Jesus. And that's what praise is. Because every time you open your mouth and every time you sing, like my sister was doing, and thank you so much for your gift and for your grace, man. Thank you so much. Can you put your hands and honor her like you want to do that? Every time you do that, you are invoking it because the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So every time you, for every hallelujah, for every thank you, Jesus, you are inviting God. And that's why there is a connection between praise and manifestation. Because the first miracle started out with a celebration. There is no manifestation in your life because there is no celebration. And if you want to see manifestation in your life and confuse the enemy, start celebrating. That's what it's called a sacrifice of praise, like a credit card. Give God, praise, give God praise on credit in advance and see what he will do because he cannot be owed. When you start the celebration and the party, even when the wine runs out, you won't even know. God will fix it. The party goes on. Most of you have stopped your party because there's no more wine. And what you don't understand is that Jesus will not abandon the party because there's no wine because he didn't come for wine. He came for you. Jesus did not come for wine. He came for you. So whether there's wine or there is no wine, he's still in the party. Somebody said the invitation. I hear people say, I'm waiting for a move of God. I say, keep waiting. I would rather move with God than wait for a move of God. Because when I'm moving with God, then when he begins to move, which is already moving, we're all moving. Many people are here waiting for the move of God. No, I want to move with him. Whether It doesn't matter where I just want to move with God. People constantly seek God's hands and they never seek his face. When you always seek God's hands, you never, seek, you never see what he wants to give you. But when you seek God's face, you can see God's hand at work in your life. Could it be possible the reason why you've not seen God's hand at work in your life is because you've been seeking his hands? But when you begin to seek God's face, you will see a dimension of manifestation like never before. And I'm saying this because a lot of times when we talk about the miracles and the manifestation of what God wants to do in our life, the first thing we talk about is this is what happens and this is, And that's fine. That's fine. There's a precept. There's a, there are principles. But the invitation of telling God and remembering that there is a God when things are going well is very important. This is where praise comes in. They invited Jesus not to heal the sick. They didn't even invite Jesus to turn water into wine. They invited Jesus to party. The invitation sets the pace for everything you do. And you have to learn how to invite him into your life every single day. When you invite him into your life. See, they invited a guest without knowing the guest was a God. You don't even know who you invited because your solution is in your invitation. They invited a guest without understanding that the guest is a God. Just because I don't look like what you have in mind doesn't mean I'm not going to blow your mind. Jesus sat there as a guest. And you can, and Pastor Phil said, turn around and encourage people. You don't even know who you are encouraging. And you don't even know who, see, if you understand the future of some people, 
you're going to go there and start telling them, please, can you give me, sign the autograph now? Because in two years' time, when I begin to call your line, say, hold on, let me connect you to the, to the boss. Hold on, then let me connect you, transfer, extension. But if you could only see. And that's why you never take people for granted. Because, ask Joseph, the person you were sleeping around with, I didn't mean sleeping around, like sleeping around. People are like sleeping around. No, no. The person you're sleeping with. Okay, that's even worse. The person you're sleeping in the same prison with. That's even bad. But you know what I mean, right? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But look at Joseph, the chief brawler and baker. He woke up with them. And what he didn't know was that God would place the next level of your destiny in the mouth of an ex-convict. Look at what God would do. God was not concerned about Joseph's condition. He was concerned about Joseph's connection. And most of you are like, why am I here? Father, God's like, hey, hey, hey. I'm not, this thing is not going to change. I didn't bring you here so that you feel good. I brought you here so that you can connect. So he stopped focusing on his condition and focused on his connection. And I'm not preaching on Joseph today. But I'm just telling you that God knows and your steps are ordered. You don't even know who you're seated beside. He is, they are more than just a standpoint member. They are more than just a guest. He's more than just a preacher. He's more than just a pastor. He's more than just a pastor. He's more than just a church. You don't even know where you are. And the problem with people is that there's always opportunities. I heard somebody say that everybody gets the same opportunity. It's just that nobody has the sensitivity to tap into the same opportunity. And when you see people there, it's because they have the foresight to recognize, hmm, that's an opportunity. But other people like, because opportunities are not dressed the way they want it to be dressed. Your opportunity is in the same situation as you are. And you're thinking, no, I want an opportunity there. I don't want an opportunity here without knowing God demoted some people so they can come to your level, so they can be elevated. Jesus was the solution to their problem, but he never showed up till there was an interruption. And that's my next point. Somebody say interruption. What is an interruption? The Bible says they ran out of wine. I'm trying not to get excited here. They ran out of wine. So there was an invitation, and there was an interruption. An interruption is when what is supposed to be running, when you run out of what is supposed to be running in your life. An interruption is when you begin to make plans for what you never planned for in life. An interruption is when your current condition does not match your preparation and, exper- and, and expectation. An interruption would always happen. Things you did not budget for. And maybe you're living through an interruption. And God sent me down here to let you know that what man calls an in- interruption, God calls divine intervention. Because hear me and hear me, friend. Because they would never have known that Jesus was in their midst if they didn't run out of wine. Never. And sometimes God would allow things to run out in your life because he wants to show who he is. They would never. Jesus would have come to... Think about it. He would have come to the wedding. After the wedding, he would have gone. And nobody would have known that he was Jesus. But sometimes things have to run out in your life for you to understand that there is a solution in your midst. Interruption. What man calls an interruption, God calls divine intervention. Could it be possible? See, till you run out of wine, sometimes you would never run into Christ. And sometimes God would, because Christ really is the wine that was crushed. And I, I don't want to go into that. Because Christ was the wine that was crushed. So what you don't know is that Jesus was turning water into wine, which was symbolic of himself that was crushed. 
and fermented overnight three days and here he was turning water into wine and he was the, the wine himself and he was turning water that's why the first miracle was turning water into wine the first miracle of the law of moses was turning water into blood judgment and celebration here was jesus saying they would never and and they, what you don't understand is that jesus was an interruption he had to interrupt the old covenant and the old wine to introduce the new covenant and the new wine. And most people don't understand that the reason that there is an interruption in your life is because God wants to bring about an introduction. You want an introduction, but you don't want an interruption. How can you tell God to change your life when you don't want to change your plans? How can there be an in- introduction in your life? How can there be a new when you don't want to get rid of the old? He gets rid of the old covenant that he might establish the new. Jesus was the interruption. Jesus, this is a type and a shadow of Jesus because we had run out of wine. We had run out of stress. We had run out of energy. We had run out of labor trying to keep up with the law. And here Jesus interrupted everything and turned water into wine. There is a point where you have to face an interruption. What? Human beings call interruption, God calls an introduction. And sometimes you're so used to and you're addicted to the old wine. And God says, the only way I can introduce the new wine is to stop the old wine. Addicted to old systems and old mentalities. Addicted to old strategies. Addicted to old friends and strongholds. And God says, the only way I can get you out of this is to interrupt you. Somebody say interruption. Some of you need to stop asking God for manifestation and start asking Him for interruption. I'm telling you, it sounds counterproductive. But when you see, we would never have Jesus if there was no interruption. Because Jesus was more than just a manifestation and revelation, He was an interruption to the law. He was an interruption to the old covenant and relationship with God. And some of you want the new wine, but you won't get rid of the old wine. And Jesus says, if you're going to experience a new, then there has to be an interruption. Somebody say interruption. interruption. <laughs> I like Jesus because even though they ran out of wine, like I said earlier, he was still there. I want to just take a moment and thank God that when I run out of strategies, when I run out of hope, when I run out of friends and ideas, he is still there. I don't know about you, but I've run out of wine. And everybody else left the party. But if Jesus is still around, then he can turn things around. And everybody has vacated, but Jesus is still in the party. Because he did not come for wine. He came for you. Don't get it twisted. He didn't come for wine. He came for a wedding. He came for you. And that's what the new covenant and the new wedding and the new relationship is. He didn't come for wine. He came for you. And I'm speaking to somebody here. You are thinking Jesus came for this. But he came for you. He didn't come for the wine. He didn't come for what can finish. He didn't come for what can be depleted. He came for you. And that's why he would never leave the party just because there is no wine. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving the party when there was no wine. Living my life when there was no strategy. Living my life. Because when I run out of wine, I run into Christ. 
Look at somebody and say, divine interruption. <laughs> Do you have the ability to survive an interruption? Most people would leave when there is an interruption. Can you have a party when there is no wine? Always your party is your praise dependent on wine. Is your praise dependent on wine? Most of you would not, perhaps, say the party is over, there's no more wine. Why is your praise connected to wine? Why is your praise connected to something that can finish, that can be depleted? Why is your praise connected to wine? There was no wine, but Jesus was still there. Why are you going to? And Jesus was still in the party, but there was no wine. You can still have a party without wine. As long as Jesus is in the party, it's not over. And I feel like Jesus makes sure they run out of wine because he's trying to say you can have a party in your life even when you don't have wine. Don't allow the party in your life. Don't allow things in your life to, to be dependent on what you have. It's about Jesus being in the party. My question to you is, is Jesus in your party? Is Jesus in your party? And this is the part I love so much. Because after there was an interruption, there was an instruction. And I'm going to stay here for a while. So just bear with me. There was an instruction. There was an invitation. There was an interruption. But now there was an instruction. You need three people in your life. You need a mayor in your life that can identify when you are low. In wine, when, you, when your wine level is low. She might not be able to provide the solution, but she can identify and say, ah, hmm, mm, the level is low. You're, you're red. Do you have a solution? No, but I know the person that can fix it. You need Marys in your life. Then you need servants that even though they cannot identify, they can implement. Then you need a Jesus in your life that can initiate the solution. Most people have a Jesus. And Jesus was not activated till there was a Mary. The servants were not activated till there was a Mary. Jesus was just there chilling like it's none of my business. He says, it's not even my hour. Till there was a Mary that came in and activated the servants. So it's possible to have Jesus, and I know this is going to sound contradictory. <laughs> it's possible to have Jesus and be out of wine. It happened. I'm not, this is, this, I mean, this is the Bible. They ran out of wine. Jesus was there. Think about it. What if Mary did not come to Jesus? It's possible. Could it be possible that you are, you have Jesus in your heart, in your life, and you're still running out of wine? In your finances. Perhaps this is the disconnect we have. Because we talk about Jesus, the fullness of grace. But we don't have a Mary and we don't have a servant's heart. And when you're not a servant, you cannot see the secret. You have the Jesus, but Jesus did not touch anything. He didn't even touch the water. He didn't even touch the pot. He just spoke the word, do this. Turn this here. Do this. But if you don't have 
a servant, and if you don't have a Mary that can identify that Peter is not the one to talk to. James, no, 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 no. Jesus, whatever he tells you to do, do. You need a Jesus in your life. You need a servant in your life. And you need a Mary in your life. People that can identify, people that can implement, and people that can initiate solutions in your life. Whatever he tells you to do, do. If you want to see what God is doing, do what God is saying. Hmm. Okay. If you want to see what God is doing, then do what God is saying. People want to see manifestation, but they don't want to have instructions. If you're not ready to take instructions, then you're not ready for manifestation. Whatever he tells you to do, do. Grace does not exempt you from obedience. Whatever he tells you to do, Peter, walk on water. Are you the one? Yes. Come. What did Peter say going? He says, come. What did Peter say going back? He would have sunk. If he went sideways, he would have sunk. He says, come. And that was the direction where the miracle was happening. Jesus was there. So think about it. Whatever he says to you to do, everybody say do. I wish you can understand the power. Obedience is better than all your seed faith. I wish you can understand the power of instructions. Whatever. This is, instructions is what converts an interruption to a divine intervention. Whatever he tells you to do, do. Don't tell God to order your steps if you're not willing to step into what he's ordered. God, order my step. God says, order my order. I've ordered it, then you don't want to step into it. Whatever he tells you to do, do. If you want to see what God is doing, do what God is saying. Instruction is what converts an interruption into a divine manifestation. You are at the mercy of one instruction. Mercy. Time would fail me. And I, I don't like talking about because of the streaming and I don't, I don't share testimonies. But my wife is, is going to bear witness. God would give me crazy instructions. Crazy instructions. And crazy... For some white people, it's crazy, but for Africans like us, it's normal. So my wife, being a white woman, even though she's a, she's a black woman, but as a white woman, she has a white mentality. Like, what are you doing? I said, God said we should do this, so we're doing it. Crazy instructions. I've done things that people are like, what is wrong with you? I remember somewhere we were in, in the U.S., um, and I was in Pastor Biodun, and I, I did something crazy with Pastor Kion. And Pastor Biodun laughed and said, are you Nigerian? That was the first time we met. He said, are you Nigerian? I said, yes. He said, ah! <laughs> All through the Bible, think about it. We see the ridiculous instructions. March, God, what is the strategy to defeat? March around the walls. Eh? Around, just be going around. Don't say, film, just march around the wall. No, no, no. Sometimes we don't understand it. Think about it. Most of you say, Father, let's, let us, let's, it's a confession now. How can we just be talking? Do you know what, do you know, do you think that the, 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 the enemies were just, they were, they, were God, they were saying all things. They were, I mean, think about what would have been happening. Every day, the doctor tells you, take this medication, you will improve on the seventh day. So I'm not seeing any, not seeing any manifestation, just be taking it. Say, doctor, something is wrong with you. I need to see a manifestation in the second day. God says, keep walking. They did not see a crack on the first day, on the second day, on the third day. On the fourth day, on the no crack. Say, say, Moses, come, come, just come. So, did you fast when you heard this word from God? He said, well, There's a reason why I'm asking this question because we've been walking this another this song. The first day, second day, third day, fourth day. 
no crack. Think about it. Think about it. Instruction. Neymar, jump into the pool. Neymar say, ah? Me, jump into the pool. Me that have like a pool, jump into the pool. Ah, no, you're not, you're not the prophet. Think about it. Let down your net, say Jesus. I, I, I thought you were sharp. How can you be telling me to be letting down my net? In the, don't you know that fish, come on, say a fish, okay, you're a carpenter, no wonder. How can you be telling me to launch out? Don't you know that fish, you catch fish in the night. This was the wrong season. And that's a different sermon, I preach it. That's a different sermon where God would give you something out of season. God waited till it was out of your exposure, education, experience, everything. He says, now you're ready. Sometimes the, the reason why the miracle has not happened is because it's still in the night. Because when he does the miracle, you're going to say, ah, I told you, if you had fasted. I told you, on the 30th day, the heavens open. No, no 30th day here. God is going to wait till your 30 days, 40 days. When you're eating full amala, God will say, now nah, I'm ready for the manifest. Let me see what you attribute to the miracle. Cast your net. He said, but we have thought all night. See, God, jeez. Don't change your boat. Don't change your net. Don't change your confession. Don't change everything. Just obey. You are at the mercy of obedience. There are times God will tell me to sow some. My wife knows it. I'm, I can, I'll just be sowing. Specifico, not. I say, God, what a figure. This, this, what figure? Ask my wife. My, my wife says, if I was the only one, I would have given my children school fees. She's the one I said, are you sure you heard God in this thing because the account, and I'm, I'm not the one that manages the money, so I don't see the money. I just be saying, let's just be releasing. She'll be saying, nah, um, we can't release, though, because there's nothing, there's nothing to release now. I said, there has to be something. And ask her, every time something will come in. She will like, some days she will believe my anointing, other days she doesn't believe it, so I don't know. That's how we talk, don't worry. Think about it, the widow of Zarephath. Feed me first. And Peter, he says, launch out into the deep. He didn't change nothing, just change the direction. The same boats. The same people. The same, every, just launch out. I mean, just, I mean, think about it. To the other side. And the moment he released the word, all the fish came. Whether it was season or out of sea, it doesn't matter. There is a voice that inanimate object hears. I said, everything has an ear for the word of God. This speaker has an ear for the word of God. The bulbs, the camera, they have an ear for the word of God. Don't restrict the word of God to just living things. Everything. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the seas obey? The woman with Zarephath. Instruction, instruction, instruction. Let down your nets. Feeding the 5,000 people. How, many, how, how much? He said five loaves of bread. They said doing the math. He says, no, no, no. Instruction. Everybody say Instruction. And Jesus says something. And I was asking, I was asking myself, I said, why would Jesus be saying, think about this, Pastor. You know, sometimes, I, 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 I like to, my wife, if you see me preparing for a sermon, you think I'm about to fight. Because that's how I do, she's laughing, because she knows. Then she comes to distract me, I'm like, hey, is my husband okay? Because I try to put myself in the picture. And that's how I get all of this, this insights. Because I said, Jesus, wait. There was an empty... So think about me in this posture and my wife comes in. She says, Rema, are you preparing for a message? Who are you talking to? I said, don't worry, that's how we talk. So think about it. There was an empty jar of water. 
And Jesus says, gather the water you have and pour it into this one. Then take the one you've poured. I said, hold on a second. Do you know what energy it took to gather the water and pour it? Why didn't you just say, wherever there's water, start serving? I'm trying to be automated here. I'm trying to think Gen Z, right? Gen, Gen whatever. Why wouldn't Jesus say, wherever there's water, is becoming wine now? Wine, wine everywhere. Wine, wine, wine. Think about it. Why are you stressing us to be carrying seven? Water, pour, move it, take, give. What is all this take? What, why? They were taking, they were giving, they were pouring, they were putting. It was still water. Why? Just say, wine. Simple. I, these are the type of questions I ask God. It's like, hey, this guy. But, but, but I think that God was trying to show us that sometimes when you begin to do all of this, God wants to know if you can still believe me. Can you trust me? When you can't trace me. Can you trust me when it doesn't seem like anything is happening? Can you trust me? Can you serve and nothing is happening? He kept pouring. For what? Jesus. What they did not understand is that for every ounce of water they poured, that was an ounce of wine they were about to get. What you don't understand, perhaps you were serving, you're pouring water. Perhaps you were giving, you're pouring water. Perhaps you're sowing, you're fasting, you're believing, you're praying, you're studying, you're pouring water. What you don't understand is for every ounce of water you pour in, it's about to turn to wine. For every water, see, while you're waiting on, God says you have not qualified for the wine season because you have not handled the water season well. Most of you have not handled the water well, so you've not qualified for the wine. Most of you cannot even serve water. Can I have a bottle of water, please? Think about it. Now, this is fresh water. Somebody can drink it. The water we're talking about was dirty water. Cleaning your feet. Purification. You're about to enter into the temple. They say clean. You carry this water. And you're giving the water to your boss to drink. Something has to be wrong with you. You know the water is dirty. You know, some of us say he turned water to wine. He gave no dirty water. And that's a message on its own. Because of the faith the servants had, you pour water in. You saw the water. You took the dirty water and said, Go and serve the water. The reason why you have not seen wine is because you've not served water. Most people might never see wine in their lives because they always want to serve wine. But God says the miracle comes in the service. (laughs) While they were serving the water, it became wine. And God is saying that if you want to see... See, think about it. If they had wine, they would serve it like, ah, we got to... This is wine. But... They served the water, believing that that water they were serving was wine. And the way you serve it determines what it becomes. I'm telling you. The way you serve what... See, Jesus never focused on what they lost. Jesus did not mention the word wine once. Your problem is that you're looking at what you lost, not what you have. 
Jesus never said, hey, we don't have wine, wine, hmm, wine, wine. So, wine. No, he didn't mention the word wine. He forgot about whatever you don't have, you don't need. I, I said, whatever you don't have now, you don't need for the next level. Whatever you lost is not necessary for what is next. Whatever you've lost is not necessary for what is next. Jesus looked at what... See, don't despise what you have because it doesn't look like what you want. Don't despise your water because it doesn't look like your wine. Because your wine is in your water. As long as you have water, you can always make wine. As long as you have water, the water of the world, you can always make wine. The problem with people is that they despise the water. It was, it was sitting around. They were looking for wine, but the water was sitting around. Think about it. Jesus did not say wine. No. He used what they neglected to give them what they wanted. He used what was around to give them what they wanted. He says, hey, you guys want wine? I'm not going to bother about wine. I'm going to start with what you have. Everything you need for the next level, you have now. Don't despise the water because it doesn't look like the wine. I know I'm speaking to somebody. Don't despise the job. Don't despise the service. Don't despise the church. Don't despise the department. Don't despise that idea. Don't despise that thing God has given you because it doesn't look like wine. The moment you begin to serve it like wine, it becomes wine. The transformation happens when you begin to serve it. Stop talking about the wine. And stop talking about the water you have. Stop talking about what you lost. And start talking about what you have. Your miracle is in your water. As long as you have water, you can, you can multiply it. As long as you have water, you can make wine. As long as you have water, you can get the job. You can get the promotion. Do you have the water you need? And the water is the word. As long as you have the word, you can get anything you need. This is a picture of how people despise the word, but they want the wine. They want the celebration, but they despise the water. And pastor, do you know something? I know I've taken all the time, but do you know something? There were, they had the jars where the wine were that was now empty. But they had the jars where the water was that was now full because they had filled the jars with water. So now, think about it with your pictorial license, that means in this wedding, there had to be some wine jars that were empty. And now there is the six pots of water that was full. And I began to think about it. The empty and the full. The empty and the full. And God says, just because you were empty in this area doesn't mean you were empty in every area. Just because you were deficient in one area doesn't mean you're not sufficient in another area. Don't define yourself because you're empty and you don't have a wine. You still have water. The best way to be efficient is not to focus on what you're deficient in. It's to focus on what you're sufficient in. They did not have wine. So they had empty jars of wine. But they had full jars of... It's very easy to look at the empty jars of wine. And sometimes I'm going to tell you what you're looking at is not what you need. 
I'm going to have to listen to this myself. What you're looking at, what you think you need, Mary said they have no wine. What you think you need is not really what you need. When they came to Jesus, Jesus told them what they needed. <laughs> Jesus didn't say, oh, wine, let's get wine. No, Jesus doesn't even mention wine because he's telling you that what you need is not wine. They thought they needed wine. But Jesus is saying, no, what you need is water. If you have the water, then you can always turn your water into wine. And I'm telling you, friends, that what you need is wine. It's water. Jesus did not change the state because water and wine has the same state. It's liquid. He changed the taste. God doesn't want to change your state. He wants to change your taste. And people are going to look... What, what, what do you mean by that, sir? People are going to look at you and they will see something different about you. They say, is it the same, Pastor Fred? Ah, because you taste differently. It's the same liquid state, but it's now a different taste. Is it the same, Pastor Phil? The same standpoint, how? Because when Jesus turns everything around... It's the same liquid, but it's a different taste. And some of you don't need to change your state. You just need to change your taste. Jesus didn't make it vapor. He didn't change it to eyes and solid. No, no, no. He changed the taste of the liquid. If they had given that wine to any other person, I believe it wouldn't have turned. If they had given the water, I believe it would never have turned to wine. Because Jesus gave them instructions. Give it to him. If they had given it to the bridegroom first. You know sometimes, people like us. They start saying, hey, it's turned to wine. Jesus. Where is the, the person? You've forgotten the instruction they gave you. You go straight and get, you're not giving the guy poison water. <laughs> but think about it. He says, whatsoever he says, do. And they follow that instruction. He says, give it to the master of feast of the ceremony. And they give it to the master of the ceremony. And he tasted the wine. I don't know where the miracle happened. Some theologians said, actually said this. They, they, pro, they said that Jesus changed their palate. He didn't change the wine. That's a different conversation. That Jesus changed the taste in their mouth. He didn't really change it to wine. There are different schools of thought. But I want you to think about it from the depths of your heart. Jesus can turn your water into wine. And even had gotten into the hand of the wrong person, it would have not turned to wine. Think about it. If it had gotten into her hand, her hand, her hand, her hand, it would have still been water. But when it came into the right hands, it turned to wine. My prayer for you is that God will put you in the hands of people that where other people see water in your life, they will see wine. Every other person saw water, but when it came into the right hands, it became wine. My prayer for you is that where other people see water, where every other person is, God would locate you and connect you to people that would see the wine. You just need one person to see you as wine in your life. One person. If you can find one person, one person. You don't need, see, key, you need key people in your life. Key people are people that have the keys to the next level in your life. That's what I call key people. You don't need everybody to like you. You need one person that can see the wine in you where other people see the water in you. Can you see 
the wine in you. And Pastor Angie, do you know that whenever you're serving, and this is people in ministry, when you're serving in ministry, you would always see yourself as water. But when people taste you, they would always taste the wine. I'm telling you this because they told me this. Pastor Phil, you would always feel incompetent. You would always feel deficient. You will preach and preach and preach, and you will go back and say, what did I just say? Why didn't I say this? Why didn't I say this? And you would always feel like water because God will make you see yourself as water to keep you humble, but he will make, you, he will make them see you as wine so that they will value you. You will always see yourself as water. As you're serving, you're always I'm serving water. I could give them wine, but I have water. Because God wants to keep you humble. Because if you start serving wine, you begin to see how expensive you are. And it gets into your head and gets into your heart. But God would always make you see water when you're serving. But make them see and taste wine when they are drinking. Isn't it amazing how people can see water and another person can taste wine? Because they would never value you. He's talked about a superior wine. Think about it. But they gave him dirty water, and Jesus made a dirty water superior wine. And the miracle of this is that the couple did not even know. I came here to let you know that this is a season of new wine. And what you need is around you. Now, take that and interpret that however you want. What you need is around you. It could be your friend that gave you that idea. It could be the seed faith God says so. It could, be, it could be anything. Don't despise what you have. Because it doesn't look like what you want. Your wine is in your water. It's in your child. Is in the school, is in the idea, is in the church, the little. That's where your wine is. This was the first miracle of Jesus, where he turned water into wine. So many nuggets that your miracle is around you. I, I, I'm telling you, I, I'm telling you, take this word literally. What you need is not what you're looking at. What you need is what you've despised. The stone that the builders rejected became. Jesus was so despised that when he showed up, they didn't even know he was the one. Because he was the water that was around the corner. What did they, know that, what they didn't know is that their wine was in the water. I believe in transformation, but I also believe in acceleration. The process should have taken years to make wine, but Jesus collapsed it and made it even better. You're entering an expensive season, and God is going to foot the bill. You will not even know that God has solved the problem till they come to attribute it to you. That was when the bridegroom knew that there was an issue. He didn't even know that there was another wine. So they came and told him, hey, you should have brought... He said, what, what wine? I can, I can imagine... How, it's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? And God is saying that the only time you would know that there was a problem is when I've dealt with the problem already. 
Lift up your hand. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.